Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters box. It's bangthebook.com's MLB betting podcast for Monday, March 23rd. I am your host, Adam Burke. As you know, this and every edition of the betters box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Well, we're trying to do everything we can over at bangthebook.com right now. Obviously, not a whole lot going on in the sports world, but yesterday I posted an article over at the website about some college football games of the year from Bet Online Sportsbook. 43 of those games posted over there. Gave you some thoughts on that. And quite frankly, look, without the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball, would be a lot of focus on the NFL, the NFL draft a month away from today. College football, that starts August 29th. So we'll have some college football and some NFL content rolling out over at bangthebook.com. And of course, you can still, in the meantime, get my 2020 MLB betting guide over on Amazon. You can also get that PDF over at bangthebook.com. Again, we don't know when the season's going to start. We have no idea exactly how many games they're going to wind up playing. It's not going to be 162 games at this point in time, obviously. But still a lot of good information in that PDF in that betting guide over on Amazon. Uh, obviously, the season win total picks not going to be as relevant at this point in time. However, a lot of this stuff on individual players, on teams, on how teams did the previous season, stuff like that, all of that's still very relevant. So that betting guide over on Amazon, the 2020 MLB betting season preview, and then the 2020 MLB betting guide in PDF form over at bangthebook.com. And while you're over at bangthebook.com as well, uh, doing some horse racing stuff. We hit the daily double for the Fairgrounds Oaks and the Louisiana Derby with Bonnie South and Wells Bayou. Hopefully you were able to take advantage of that. We'll be doing some more horse racing stuff over at the website here this week and in subsequent weeks, trying to do a little bit more with that. Trying to familiarize myself more with horse racing, which I do enjoy a lot. Just obviously with all the other sports going on, very hard to dedicate time to that. Been finding a little bit more time to talk about that. Uh, but while you're over at bangthebook.com, check out our sportsbook reviews. Sports will be coming back. A lot of these sports books out there now offering very generous sign-up bonuses, reload bonuses. If you keep your bankroll there, for example, Bet Online giving you a 20% boost to your bankroll. I wrote about that in that Games of the Year piece. Uh, not a bad time to get involved if you've got the money to spare, obviously. I know a lot of people very, very tight here at this point in time with the coronavirus outbreak, but if you've got the money to spare, some pretty lucrative deposit bonuses available. Um, and obviously, too, you know, again, without sports going on, we can hold some money on these games of the year lines, get some good values, some of the season win total stuff that comes out, obviously betting on the draft, and, and there's a lot of politics betting and stuff that you can do. Check out those sportsbook reviews over at bangthebook.com. See if there's something that works out well for you. And, of course, as you know, about that DSI BTB200 promo code that I mentioned here at the top of the show. All right, so to this point, we've talked about ERA, FIP, and XFIP. We've talked about left-on-base percentage in relation to strikeout percentage, looking for some positive and negative regression candidates on the starting pitcher side. Wish the season was starting in three days. It's obviously not. But what we're trying to do here, what I'm trying to do here with these additions of the betters box is put together a comprehensive picture for you of some of these starting pitchers that we want to fade coming into the season 
and of some of the things you want to look for over the course of the season as well. Now, of course, you know, obviously a lot of statistics are going to be subject to a lot more variance with a smaller season with smaller sample sizes that will kind of dictate what we do for 2021 uh, if there's a season with the CBA negotiations and all that type of thing. But this is all valuable information, long-term valuable betting information for you. So we're trying to take that, take all the stats, all the data that's out there and produce a comprehensive picture of some of these starting pitcher profiles. So today, I want to talk about contact quality. I want to talk about exit velocity and hard hit percentage and barrels and all of this information available over at Baseball Savant. Now, I don't know how many people listen to my version of the Deep Dive podcast with Andy and Whale Capper, Drew Dinsick, that I did last month. But one of the things that I talked about is that because the baseball betting market has evolved in the way that it has with more of an interest and an awareness in sabermetrics, we've gotten a lot of line moves relative to ERA, FIP, and XFIP, left on base percentage, things of that sort. And they're all still good starting points in terms of getting out there and getting closing line value, getting ahead of the market, maybe having the opportunity to scalp or arbitrage, something like that. ERA, FIP, and XFIP are still going to be very good. Left on base percentage, still going to be very good. But I've had to take it a step further in my personal analysis and handicapping. In part, yeah, it does create for a lot of good content over at bangthebook.com. But it also helps me with my handicapping of these pitchers, of these situations, of these particular matchups. And one of the big enhancements has been StatCast. StatCast is an MLB advanced media product, and it has things like exit velocity, launch angle, uh, batted ball distance. You know, obviously a lot of stuff with batted ball types. WOBA, weighted on base average, which I've talked about before but also expected statistics, ex-WOBA, ex-slugging percentage, ex-batting average, metrics that are based on the batted ball data that we're seeing. Because you can have a batted ball that's hit at 97 miles per hour you know, with an optimal launch angle, and it gets caught at the wall or something like that, where that type of batted ball generally is going to be a home run or a double. But maybe an outfielder makes a good play in the gap, Maybe a ball dies at the warning track, something like that. So you have these expected statistics. That's kind of, you know, XFIP, expected fielding independent pitching. So StatCast provides a lot more layers and a lot more stuff based on contact quality for us to try and handicap. Now, StatCast also has a lot of defensive metric stuff. That's always been kind of um, an unknown, kind of a Pandora's box when it, when you talk about sabermetric evaluation in that, Fielding statistics have never been viewed as very reliable. Well, StatCast, because of everything that those cameras can track, they're coming up with some better defensive metrics like sprint speed, like outs above average, stuff like that. But what I like to use it for is to look at pitchers, is to look at contact quality against. Because ultimately, what we're looking at here is command. We're looking at how pitchers command the baseball if they stay out of those really good hitting areas, if they're able to pitch above the optimized launch angle or keep the ball on the ground, something like that. So I use a lot of this contact quality metric stuff in my handicapping. And again, 
to me, I think ERA, FIP, and XFIP. I think left on base percentage. Those are sabermetrics 101. That's baseball handicapping from a data standpoint 101. I think this contact quality stuff is 201. So hopefully you're able to follow along with me here. Adam at bangthebook.com to get the notes for the betters box. And I will send those out. I realize I haven't sent those out here uh, in several days, but I will send those out here today to everybody that's on the list. But again, I think when you try to evaluate contact quality, there are a lot of positives that you're looking for. First of all, relative to ERA, FIP, and XFIP, you know, we talk about guys being in line for positive or negative regression. Well, you're probably not in line for positive regression if you're giving up a lot of hard contact. On the flip side, if you're inducing a lot of weak contact, you're more likely to experience positive regression and better outcomes because the softer a ball is hit, the less damage it is expected to do. You know, the difference between a batted ball hit at 85 miles per hour and 95 miles per hour is very, very significant. You know, because obviously the harder it's hit, the farther it's going to go. The harder it's hit, the better the quality of contact. So I use these contact metrics to try and find guys that are maybe in line for positive or negative regression, where maybe it won't come. Or maybe you're not seeing it in some of those metrics, but in the contact quality metrics, you are. Because that guy's staying off the barrel. That guy's giving up a lot of weak contact. He's inducing a lot of weak ground balls where maybe a play just can't be made and he's gotten unlucky. You know, runners on second and third, two outs, and all of a sudden somebody hits a 73-mile-per-hour ground ball at the third baseman, he's going to charge it, doesn't field it cleanly, it goes as a base hit. He's going to charge it, runner beats it out, a run might score, extends the inning. You know, then maybe he gives up a rocket, and then all of a sudden it's a two-run double, something like that. So I try to look a lot at these contact quality metrics because, again, all I'm trying to do in my handicapping is try to account for as much variance as possible or limit the variance as much as I possibly can. So in my mind, why do I want to bet on a guy that allows a ton of hard contact? That day, if balls are hit at guys, he may pitch well. If they're not, he's going to get shelled. And the more hard contact you allow, the smaller your margin for error is. Because if you're out there getting beaten around the ballpark, you damn well better hope it's getting hit at somebody or your fielders can make a play. If you're inducing a lot of weak contact, well, it's not going to hurt you as much in a general sense, of course. So let's talk about some of these concepts here. And I'll start by talking about a barreled ball. What is a barreled ball? I'll talk a lot about barrels in my articles and in these betters box podcasts here as we go throughout the season. A barreled ball has an expected batting average of at least 500 and an expected slugging percentage of at least 1.500. Now, a single is a slugging percentage of 1.000. A double is 2.000. Triple is three. Home run is four because slugging percentage is based on total bases. So the expectation here of a barreled ball is that at least 50% of the time it will be a hit. And more often than not, it's going to wind up being, you know, some sort of slugging percentage related uh, outcome, like a double, a triple, or a home run 
something like that. Now, what classifies as a barreled ball is typically at least 98 miles per hour off the bat with a launch angle of between 26 and 30 degrees. Now, the higher the velocity, the wider the launch angle range becomes. So, for example, a 97-mile-per-hour batted ball would have an average, would have a launch angle between 24 and 33 degrees to be classified as a barreled ball. So, essentially, a barreled ball is something hit very, very hard and something hit either as a high-line drive or a fly ball. That is essentially a barreled ball. Now, over time, since StatCast developed this metric, the average batting average on a barreled ball is 800 and the average slugging percentage is 3.000 so the average batted ball winds up being a hit 80 percent of the time and it's going to be either a double a triple or a home run more often than not last season specifically the 2019 season batted balls that were barrels had an 816 batting average and a 2.827 slugging percentage. So essentially, the average barreled ball was either a double or a triple. Most of them were home runs, or a lot of them were home runs as well, and an 816 batting average. 7,511 barrels went for hits out of 9,207 barreled balls. So again, an 816 batting average on barreled balls. So from a handicapping standpoint, we want to try and bet on guys that don't allow a lot of barreled balls. Now, of course, we don't know the context of the barreled ball. If it comes with nobody on base and it's a solo home run, it is what it is. If it's a barreled ball with the bases loaded, three runs are probably going to score, if not that fourth run. So I try to avoid guys that allow a lot of barreled ball contact because those are very, very bad outcomes. For a pitcher, the average barrel rate for a hitter in terms of barrels per batted ball event. So any ball in play is a batted ball event. The average barrel rate is about 7%. So about 7% of batted balls will be barreled by your average hitter. So of course, on the flip side, your average pitcher, about 7% of their batted balls will be barrels. Anything lower than that is good. Anything higher than 7% is bad. Now, the average for pitchers in terms of barrels per plate appearance percentage, so that includes strikeouts, walks, hit by pitches, all that type of thing. That's any kind of plate appearance is 6%. So any pitcher below that is good. Any pitcher above that is bad. Now, why does contact quality matter so much? Batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour last season. So any batted ball that was at least 95 miles per hour off the bat led to a 542 batting average and a 1.131 slugging percentage. Now, if I drop that down to any batted ball 94 plus miles per hour, the batting average goes down to 526. The slugging percentage goes down to 1.084. If I bring that down to 93, or more miles per hour. The batting average comes down to 511. The slugging percentage comes down to 1.041. If I bring it down to 92 miles per hour or higher, it's a 496 batting average. 
and a 1.001 slugging percentage. So essentially, what we're kind of looking at here is with each drop of a mile per hour, the batting average is going to go down by about 15 points. So that's why contact quality matters. The harder a ball is hit, the more likely it is to go for a hit. The softer a ball is hit, the less likely it is to go for a hit. Now, if we look specifically at batted balls between 86 and 90 miles per hour last year, that's a 221 batting average against and a 272 slugging percentage against. So again, you want to bet on guys that limit hard contact. And I just gave you the numbers. With each mile per hour you go down, you drop 15 points in batting average. And anything between 86 and 90 is very, very low, a 221 batting average against. Now, here's the tough part. A lot of pitchers, from an average standpoint, will fall between 86 and 90 miles per hour in terms of average exit velocity over all of their batted ball events. But there are some statistics that we can take a look at, one of them being hard hit percentage. Hard hit percentage is percentage of batted balls that are hit at 95 plus miles per hour. So if you find a guy that gives up a lot of high velocity contact, you don't want to bet on that type of guy. If you find a guy that has a low hard hit percentage against, that's a guy that you want to look to bet on. And that is also a guy that is more likely to carry a lower ERA than his FIP and ex-FIP. Just to repeat that, a guy with a lower hard hit percentage against is more likely to sustain a lower ERA compared to his FIP and ex-FIP. And this is an adjustment that I've had to make because, again, we've seen a lot of line movement in the marketplace on starting pitchers based on ERA, FIP, and XFIP. So there will be a lot of times over the course of the season that I see an ERA, FIP, or XFIP line move that I disagree with because that's a pitcher that limits hard contact. If you limit hard contact, you are far more likely to sustain a better ERA because you're just going to have better outcomes on those balls in play. So let's look at some pitchers specifically here. Contact quality against matters a lot. If you take anything away from this segment, where again, I know it's very numbers driven. It's a little bit more of an advanced concept. Bet on guys that have low average exit velocities against and low hard hit percentages against. Those are guys that are going to, by and large, have more success because that contact quality against is less detrimental. They're going to give up fewer doubles, fewer triples, fewer home runs. And in this era of baseball, where strikeouts are higher than ever before, teams are scoring runs based on doubles, triples, and home runs. So if you're a pitcher that allows fewer of those than another, that is very good for you. So here are some of the guys from last year looking at starting pitchers only that did very, very well in the exit velocity and contact quality metrics. Brian Yarborough of the Tampa Bay Rays had the lowest average exit velocity against last season of all starting pitchers at 84.1 miles per hour. And as I just mentioned, batted balls between 86 and 90 miles per hour 
led to a 221 batting average and a 272 slugging percentage. So Ryan Yarborough last year, excuse me, had a 26.2% hard hit percentage against. So only 26.2% of his batted balls against were at 95 plus miles per hour. That's very, very good. That is elite contact quality against. Brian Yarborough last year, 413 ERA, 355 FIP, 424 XFIP. Yarborough's a guy I would expect to be even better for this upcoming season because he's a guy that induces a lot of weak contact. You know, we talked on on uh, last Thursday's show about Hunjin Ryu and about his very high left on base percentage against. And I said, well, I think Ryu is going to be a regression candidate. And I do think that is true. However, last season, Hunjin Ryu's average exit velocity against 85.3 miles per hour, a 30.8% hard hit rate, 232 ERA, 310 FIP, 332 XFIP. So while I think Ryu will not be as fortunate in terms of stranding runners, he's a guy that can strand a lot of runners because he induces a lot of weak contact. Now, why I think Ryu will regress is because he goes to the American League, as I talked about on Thursday. His defense in Toronto is not as good as his defense with the Dodgers. So a lot more balls in play will fall in for hits, probably through no fault of his own. But he is a guy that will regress, but not suddenly be you know, a four ERA type of guy because he just does a good job with the contact quality against. His former rotation mate, who's now with the Minnesota Twins, in Kenta Maeda, an 85.4% average exit velocity against last year, a 28.8% hard hit rate, a 5.5% barrels per batted ball event percentage, and a 3.5% barrels per plate appearance percentage. So Kenta Maeda is a guy that actually got unlucky last year to have a 404 ERA, a 395 FIP, and a 404 XFIP. He was hurt a little bit had some health concerns, stuff like that. But Maeda's a guy that stayed off the barrel and avoided hard-hit batted balls. So he's a guy who I would think gets better this season, a pretty good Minnesota Twins defense. As long as his exit velocity and his hard-hit percentage stay low, he's a guy I'm looking to buy for the upcoming season here. Some people will fade him based on his home and road splits. Some people will fade him going to the American League, stuff like that. I'm actually looking to buy stock in Kenta Maeda for this upcoming season because I love those contact quality metrics against. Martin Perez is a very interesting one here. 85.4% average exit velocity against, 29.7% hard hit percentage against, but he wound up with a 512 ERA. Martin Perez, as we talked about on Thursday, very, very, very low left on base percentage. Now, part of the problem for Perez is that he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. So he gets a lot of balls in play. That's problematic because those are going to find holes at some point, whether they're hit hard or not. So Perez doesn't have the margin for error from a strikeout percentage department as some of the other guys on this list. So I would be less inclined to buy stock in him. But as you look here, good hard hit percentage against, good exit velocity percentage against, Against teams that don't make a lot of high-velocity contact, he may be a good bet against those types of teams because they already don't hit the ball hard and they're facing a guy 
that suppresses hard contact. So Perez, overall, not a good guy to bet on, but maybe against a team that strikes out a lot, that will elevate his low K percentage, doesn't make a lot of hard contact. Maybe from a spot standpoint, he's a guy worth kind of considering. Brandon Woodruff, 85.6% exit velocity against 30.2% hard hit rate. Eduardo Rodriguez, 85.7 mile per hour, excuse me, exit velocity, 28.5% hard hit rate. Jacob deGrom, 85.8 miles per hour average exit velocity, 30.8% hard hit percentage. Those are three guys that were very, very good last year. Woodruff, Erod, deGrom, they will be very good again for the upcoming season as well. Those are guys with good strikeout rates and elite contact quality metrics against. If I'm laying a big price, if I'm laying a big favorite, minus 180, something like that, I want a guy that misses bats and limits hard contact. So that's a Brandon Woodruff. That's Eduardo Rodriguez, a Jacob deGrom, a Mike Clevenger who's on this list, 86.1 miles per hour average exit velocity against. Jack Flaherty, same thing, 86.1. Luis Castillo, 86.4. His hard hit rate's a little bit higher at 33.6%, but a lot of those are ground balls, and that also matters too in the sense that hard hit ground balls can still become outs. You can't hit a home run on a ground ball. So guys like Woodruff, Rodriguez, DeGrom, Clevenger, Flaherty, Castillo, these are all guys that miss a lot of bats, stay off the barrel, and are worthy of backing at big favorite prices. But again, what I'm trying to do here is find some under-the-radar types of guys that you may want to back. Here's one for you who failed as a starter but was very good as a reliever, Adrian Hauser of the Milwaukee Brewers. 86 miles per hour average exit velocity against. 35% hard hit rate is getting a little bit on the high side but a 5% barrels per batted ball event percentage and a 3.2% barrels per plate appearance percentage because Hauser is a very extreme ground ball guy. So he's not going to allow a lot of barreled contact. So if the strikeout gains from being a reliever stick around as a starter this season, Hauser is the right type of under the radar type of guy that you want to be out there looking for. A guy like Gio Gonzalez, 86.3 miles per hour average exit velocity against 30.8% hard hit rate, had a 350 ERA, but with a 404 FIP and a 445 X FIP. So Gio Gonzalez is a guy I'm not enamored with, I'm not in love with, but that's one of those guys that can outperform his FIP and X FIP because his contact quality against is so good. Another guy like that is an Anibal Sanchez. He tends to be very good in the exit velocity department. Lower ERA, higher FIP, higher XFIP. Those are the types of guys you can make some money on because the market doesn't realize that there are buy signs with guys like that. How about another one here that we talked about on Thursday's show? Mike Miner. Remember, I talked about Mike Miner as a fade candidate with a very high left on base percentage. Mike Miner, 86.4 miles per hour average exit velocity. 30.3% 30.3% hard hit rate, 359 ERA, 425 FIP, 460X FIP. Still a regression candidate to me, but maybe he doesn't fall all the way back to 425 or 430, something like that. Maybe he winds up being a 380 ERA type of guy 
something like that. So again, what we're looking for here are guys that can stave off the obvious signs of negative regression or guys that have the opportunity for positive regression because they don't allow a lot of, a lot of hard contact. Other notables here, guys with under 87 mile per hour average exit velocities, Aaron Savale of the Cleveland Indians, Chase Anderson for the Blue Jays, Charlie Morton for the Rays, Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins, Eliezer Hernandez is another one that's in the chart that I have in the notes for today's show, Zach Eflin, Tommy Malone, Zach Greinke, Sean Anderson of the Giants, Dinelson Lamont for the Padres, Chris Paddock, and Cal Quantrill for the Padres. So those are all guys that do a very good job of limiting hard contact. Kevin Gaussman now with the San Francisco Giants. Robbie Ray with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So a lot of guys that induce a lot of weak contact. And again, I like guys that induce a lot of weak contact because they're probably not going to give up a lot of doubles and home runs. Now, obviously, there's a different side to this spectrum here. Guys that give up a lot of hard contact. And again, we talk about hard hit rate. Batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour. Felix Hernandez had the highest average exit velocity against last year, 91.4. Now, again, we're talking about the difference between Felix Hernandez at 91.4 and Ryan Yarbrough at 84.1. Which guy would you want to back in that scenario? You know, even a Mike Miner, average exit velocity against, five miles per hour lower. Then Felix Hernandez in the average overall, the hard hit rate for Felix, 41.8% of his batted balls, 95 plus miles per hour. Again, think about a guy like Kenta Maeda, 28.8% of his batted balls at 95 plus miles per hour. And remember, at a minimum, batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, 542 batting average and a 1.131 slugging percentage against. It makes a big difference over the course of a season if your hard hit rate is 13% higher than somebody else's. That is a very, very substantial difference. By the way, Felix Hernandez, 640 ERA, 6 FIP, 517 XFIP. Carlos Carrasco, 90.8 miles per hour average exit velocity against last year. 45.8% hard hit percentage. So almost 46% of the balls in play off of Carlos Carrasco were hit hard. Were hit at 95 plus miles per hour. 529 ERA, 441 FIP, 350 XFIP. So Carrasco is a bounce back candidate to a degree. But if the command doesn't improve, then what? How much better can he actually be with a barrels per batted ball event percentage of almost 13%. Again, barreled balls last year, an 816 batting average, and a 2.827 slugging percentage. So almost every batted ball was a double, triple, or a home run last year. And if you're allowing 13% of your batted balls to be barreled, and almost 46% of your batted balls to come off the bat at 95 plus miles per hour, that is atrociously bad command. That is a very hard pitcher to bet on. Tyler Beattie, 90.8 miles per hour average exit velocity against, 43.7% hard hit rate, ERA over five, FIP over five, 
Glenn Sparkman, 90.6 miles per hour average exit velocity against, 41.8% hard hit rate, 602 ERA, 593 FIP. Nate Yavaldi, 90.6 miles per hour, 40.7% hard hit rate, 599 ERA, 595. Mike Leak, 90.4 miles per hour, 42.9% hard hit rate, 429 ERA, 519 FIP. Now, do we get some outliers? Yeah, we do. How about Shane Bieber? 90.4 miles per hour average exit velocity against 43.1% hard hit rate, but he had a 328 ERA, 332 FIP, 323 XFIP. So when you hear about people selling stock in Shane Bieber for the upcoming season, that is the reason why. He allowed a lot of hard contact last year and probably got very, very lucky on it. And that will happen. That is something that can happen. Pitchers can get really lucky in that department. And what I do over the course of the season on the betters box here is I will actually look and see, you know, what these guys are doing in terms of their high velocity contact against. So remember, batted balls. If we look overall here, batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour last season, a 542 batting average against. Shane Bieber last year on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour against had a 515 batting average against. So he was 27% or 27 points above the average and almost a full point better in slugging percentage. The league average 1.131. He was 1.035. So Shane Bieber got fortunate on his hard contact against. Does that happen again this season? I don't know. Is Shane Bieber a regression candidate? He very well could be. Some other guys here, as I'm running a little bit long here with today's segment, some other guys that struggle in terms of allowing a lot of hard contact. Jorge Lopez for the Kansas City Royals. His hard hit percentage over 40%. His barrel percentage almost 12%. 633 ERA, 555 FIP. Again, this just... All these advanced metrics do, all this StatCast stuff does is quantify what your eyes can see. You watch a guy and you go, shit, man, he gives up a lot of hard contact. Yeah, he probably does. Here's what that hard contact rate looks like. And then how much does it affect him? Well, there's his ERA. There's his fifth. Daniel Norris of the Tigers, a lot of hard hit contact against. Herman Marquez. 43.1% hard hit percentage, over 43% of the batted balls that Herman Marquez allowed were over 95 miles per hour off the bat. Again, it's a five, at least a 542 batting average against on average. So yeah, Marquez had a 476 ERA and a 406 FIP. Yeah, Marquez had a 68% left on base percentage, but you know why? Because he allowed a lot of hard contact. There is no guarantee that Herman Marquez will meet his FIP or his ex-FIP this season unless he improves his command and allows less hard contact. Other guys here. Jose Urania of the Florida Marlins. Jake Junis of the Kansas City Royals. Homer Bailey of the Minnesota Twins now. Andrew Heaney. How about Madison Bumgarner? 41.5% 
of his batted balls were hit 95 plus miles per hour. He better hope that Arizona Diamondbacks defense bails him out this season because that's a lot of hard contact. Again, what we're doing here, what I'm doing here is giving you a comprehensive picture of a lot of these pitchers, of what I looked for. And baseballsavant.com, baseballsavant, all one word, dot com, the home of StatCast data on the internet. And you can find a lot of this content there. So we look at guys that allow a lot of barrels per batted ball events. These are guys that I am almost going to always fade or look to be against. Dan Straley, 16.2%. Clay Buckholz, 13.2%. Same thing for David Hess. Jeff Hoffman of the Colorado Rockies, 12.9%. Carlos Carrasco, 12.8%. Eric Swanson of the Seattle Mariners, 12.3%. Derek Holland, 12.2%. Taylor Clark of the Diamondbacks, 12.1%. Edwin Jackson, 12%. He'll find a team at some point. Jorge Lopez, 11.9%. Other notables, Chad Green in the Yankees' bullpen, Gerard Eikhoff, Caleb Smith of the Marlins, Jaime Berea, Asher Wojciechowski, Robbie Ray, Chris Archer, Gabriel Inoa, Vince Velasquez, Ariel Gerardo, Nick Pavetta. These guys allow a lot of barreled balls. And those go for doubles, triples, and home runs. It's hard to bet on guys like that unless you expect their offenses to do really well. The lowest batted ball rates last year, or lowest barreled rates per batted ball event, Aaron Savale of the Indians, Colby Allard of the Texas Rangers, Frankie Montas, Oakland A's. He's a guy to back for sure this season. Brandon Woodruff, Marcus Stroman, 4.1%. Max Freed, a big positive regression candidate for me, a guy I love for the Atlanta Braves, 4.4%. Wade Miley, 4.5%. Blake Snell, Hunjin Ryu, 4.7. Noah Syndergaard, 4.9. Borton, DeGrom, Hauser, 5.0% barrel percentage on batted balls against. Hey, you talk about the difference between a guy at 5% and a guy at 12%? It's significant, man. Those are guys that are going to have two, two and a half, three run differences between their ERAs. Contact quality against matters. The more hard contact, the worse the potential outcomes for all of these pitchers across the board. So we will say that pitchers cannot control balls in play, and they can't. What happens when it hits the bat is what happens. But for the longest time, we operated under the pretense that it's all just subject to variance, and it's not. Now we know that it's not because we can see how hard these balls are being hit. We can see what the launch angle looks like of these batted balls. These contact quality metrics are an extension of looking at command. Guys that control is the ability to throw strikes and avoid walks. Command is the ability to throw quality strikes. I want to bet on command. I want guys that can throw strikes, but throw them in the areas that they need to the upper and lower quadrants of the strike zone, the corners, paint the black. I want guys that are not getting barreled, guys that are not giving up a lot of high-velocity contact. So that's the second step that I've taken. The first step was ERA, FIP, and XFIP, and left-on-base percentage and stuff like that. The second step 
is contact quality against. The harder the ball is hit, the more problematic it is. The more hard hit balls there are, the less likely I am to back a pitcher like that. So hopefully you've been able to follow along with this. I know it's difficult to convey in a in an audio and a podcast setting like this, but Adam at bangthebook.com for the notes for the betters box. I will talk about my application of this stuff once baseball starts and I can break down games on an individual basis. And you know what? Maybe I'll even put together an article on Thursday looking at the pitchers and just sort of give you an idea of what my write-ups would look like if we were having the Major League Baseball season based on who the opening day starters were going to be. So maybe I'll do that for Thursday over at bangthebook.com, kind of walk you through how I would have handicapped some of those games, give you an idea for when things actually start back up again, what you can expect from me. But again, a lot of stuff based on these contact quality metrics will be a lot of things that I'm looking at here for the upcoming 2020 baseball season. We're going to do a Tuesday edition of Bang the Book Radio. I think we'll talk with Brian Blessing. We'll do some more stuff with regards to NFL free agency. And we'll talk about horse racing. We'll talk about what you want to look for, betting tips for playing the ponies, all that different kind of stuff. We'll talk about that with Brian on Tuesday's edition of the show. I've had a request to get Brad Powers on the show soon. We'll do that to talk some college football, probably after I work on my power ratings. But we've got some games of the year. Win totals aren't going to be that far away. We're trying to do as much bang the book radio content as we can because, you know what? I think the sting and the reality of last week have finally set in. Now I'm back to work mode. Now I'm back to wanting to study college football in the NFL, doing horse racing, doing more of this baseball stuff, probably write some more static articles with some betting tips and philosophies and stuff like that over at the website. You know what? The reality is here. It is what it is. I'm going to try to make the most of it and better myself with my research, with my study, with my content at bangthebook.com. And hopefully that will better all of us as a result. So try to do as much bang the book radio as we can. Better's box will be back on Thursday. We'll talk with Brian blessing on Tuesday about some NFL free agency stuff and some horse racing. We'll do everything we can to keep us our sense of normalcy here at bangthebook.com and on bang the book radio. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember, you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.